0: Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with D.L. Have you ever been accused of dwelling on something regardless of what it was way too long? Some say dwelling is harping on a particular topic or point more than one desires to stay, while others associate dwelling as simply where you live, like your home or apartment. Have you ever considered the term dwelling pertaining to your spirituality? Today we'll dive into what you dwell on that impacts you more than you may realize, because what you dwell on confirms what occupies your mind, and what you say and do proves what's lodged between your ears. However, dwelling on God's truth is to be the way of life for you as a disciple of Jesus. You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship the Way of Life, What Do You Dwell On? What you dwell on confirms your spiritual wellness. And you will need to dwell on God's truth in order to have a wholeness of life needed to persevere through the trials, challenges, and difficulties of life. You must realize this world is in Satan's power and control, and I'll prove that truth to you in just a bit. And because he is in control of it, you can expect and see, to experience as well, a continuous bombarding of your mind with illusions, false impressions, and false teachings. And believe me, some are very persuasive and influential. Those crafty, deceitful schemes are all carried out in and through the spiritual realm by way of his human servants. His ambition and goal is to generate an image of truth through the things of this world when in reality, compared to what God says, is a lie. I will continue to ask you this question. Look around you. What do you see? The devil's goal is to continue to blind minds and create various types of distractions for Jesus' disciples. And although the images may appear to be a beauty, With a specific attractiveness to appeal to the lust of your flesh and eyes, you can rest assured sin and deception is lined in every particle in space, and as a result of this continuous assault, you may find yourself caught, giving in to his snare of trickery, and the mind is manipulated, it begins to take shape as it warps one mind, leading to a life of despair, discontent, misery, hopelessness, and gloom. As sin becomes deeply rooted, an inward isolation happens first, and then the external and one's downward spiral begins. A life of sin infects all relationships in the physical and the spiritual realms, and the devil's arrows that are directed toward your mind are designed to sear your mind against the truth of God with lies and your intimate relationship with God, His disciples, and others become contaminated with His toxic poison. As one continues in a downward spiral, they attempt all kinds of remedies to correct the course thereon, but the devil's forces are so intense, one can barely hold on to their sanity. Once your mindset is impacted and your dwelling begins, One’s sinful behavior travels beyond themselves, nev- negatively, excuse me, negatively affecting the lives of others. And the conflict begins. Conflict creates an atmosphere of withdrawal and abandonment, as the devil's distractions intensify, creating a narrowing illusion, that one's options are insufficient or inadequate, as the door of life seems to be closing rapidly. Through psychological and relational isolation, people are deceived to believe there are no support systems available to them, and they continue in the deception because the deception appears to be real and true. The devil's lies create a false reality to those trapped in his snare as they begin to live out his trickery in their life continuously. Do you know anyone like this? Are you someone like this? Did you used to live like this? And if you have, and I'm sure you can join in with me and say, but God is all I can say. And I pray you said, amen. I pray you beginning to understand and appreciate why these God casts are centered on God's word. And when God's word is at the center of how you live, you'll find dwelling on it and him to be the most beneficial remedy to fight the ever-present evil that you encounter every day. got to believe that God's word must be written on the tablet of your heart for it to flow into your mind. What will you use to combat the flaming arrows directed at your mind? Except the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And when God's word saturates your heart, it floods your mind with the truths. And they become a living part of you. And you'll find God's word coming alive in you as you continue to grow in him versus being deceived with the deceptive schemes of the devil and living those out. That's when God brings forth the capability for his disciples to live out Matthew 4.4. Now. Before God through His love, mercy and grace saved me, my mind was fixed on myself, my needs, my wants, and my desires. That's the truth. The simple truth, I was dwelling on all aspects of sin, and as a consequence, I was living them out. I will testify, you'll hear about those deeds of the flesh, but it will only be topically because I have no idea what your struggles, sins, or your excuse me, your sin struggles are or may be, but I feel God's Word makes it painfully obvious what the practice of sin looks like, and once we proceed, I'll ask you again, look around you, what do you see, and please make sure you look in the mirror before you look out your doors or windows. God defines what sinful living is, and you'll find it in Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6. Take some time and review those two chapters. Look at your own deeds. Yes, it could be embarrassing and sometimes very painful when God reveals truth of sin in one's life. But I pray you begin to appreciate God's salvation work in your life all the more. The practice of sin is God's judgment for sin, and it's confirmed by one who continuously lives out sin. To help you understand and maybe recognize it in your own behavior, I'll use lust, for example. Lust consumed my heart. Lustful thoughts filled my mind. The consequence? I dwelled on it continuously, and my downward spiral began. My lustful thoughts created immoral desires. Then, as God said would happen, when you are carried away and enticed by your own lust, temptation comes. And because I was dwelling on it, I bit on the hook of temptation, hook, line, and sinker, and live it out, I did. God's word is true. As I lived out sin, the deeper I went into it, until what the devil desires to accomplish, broken relationships, damage and destruction, to all of what God says is good. Now I will warn you, it may not be immediate, but it will come, you can count on that. So when immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, envy, drunkenness, carousing, fornication, adultery, thievery, covetedness, and selfishness exist in the heart, the mind is flooded with desires to accomplish them. Thus the dwelling process begins, and you must believe, when you dwell on it, a downward spiral will follow. This life of sin encompasses all of what God says are the deeds of the flesh. And my sinful thoughts occupied more time and space, the dwelling process, than the truth of God ever did. Believe that. The pure, unadulterated truth, my heart was deceitful and desperately sick. And because one dwells on it, you'll live it out. And it can get so bad. And this is the truth. My bad company corrupted the good morals of my spouse. It was pitiful. Can anyone relate? You've ever been corrupted by anyone or anything? I needed a heart change to change what my mind was dwelling on that has been drenched with by my sick heart. I could not complete my own heart transplant because I didn't think I needed one. I was being deceived by the devil, and I believe this life of sin brought forth pleasure and enjoyment in the flesh. And in the flesh, it did bring forth pleasure and enjoyment, which are good things, right? Isn't that what you see on your TV and your phones? Pleasure and enjoyment are good things, so chase it. You heard me say it before, and I will say it again forever, but God... God knew that in order for me to truly live, I needed his supernatural work in my heart. And I needed it more than anything I could ever muster up that would bring true joy, real love, and happiness into my existence that I so desperately needed. Believe that. Are you that way? Because everything I tried escaped faster than water through a strainer. Believe that. Have you ever been so consumed that you found yourself dwelling on it more than you did anything? I don't care what it is. It could be gambling, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex before marriage, infidelity in your marriage, your job, lying, stealing, outbursts of anger, material desires that create an insatiable appetite to accumulate more. More money, more things, more cars, more homes, more clothes, more prestige, more power, more success, getting others approval, and the list goes on and on and on. Are there any for you that I failed to mention? When sin is a common practice, it proves you are dwelling on it. And when you do, you'll need a supernatural spiritual transplant that only God can perform in you. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how many programs you go through, no matter how many self-help or religious books you read, you yourself cannot change the condition of your own spirituality because you're already conditioned to live those deeds out in your mind because you can't stop thinking about them and dwelling on them. You can attempt to escape by your own strength, not realizing you're in bondage, captivity, and enslavement of the devil. You'll believe the illusions, deceptions, and schemes devised by the devil. You will. You'll watch and believe, eh, I've got it licked. Yet, you've gone nowhere. Now everybody else is in another season, and you seem to be left behind. You've not defeated sin. And you could find, just in another locale in your Egypt as sin continues to control your life by occupying your mind. So it becomes easier and easier to just give in. And the fleeting feeling of delight, pleasure, and happiness are as empty as your mailbox is on a federal holiday. Now, if you're tired of the mindless damage, destruction, deception, and broken relationships, and truly desire to have a true and lasting spiritual change that will last forever, then it will take the work of God to change what you dwell on and break every chain of your flesh's control into deception and bondage by God of this world, the devil. God is the only one that can deliver you. Are you ready to leave the life and old way of thinking behind? Because based on God's word and truths, the practice of sin will never produce the life God promises to all of his disciples. You must believe that an unregenerate heart and soul is spiritually dead and living in trespasses and sin. And the evidence of a sin-filled life is confirmed by the evidence of sinful deeds that are lived out in and through the heart, mind, and body. A life that practices sin validates one's spiritual blindness, being deprived of God's principles, power, and work of God the Holy Spirit. They exist in full conformity to the world's foolishness, weaknesses, its things, its darkness, its courses, forces, wickedness, and elementary principles. And every single one of Jesus' disciples all will say the same two words, and they are, but God. And the reason why those two words have and will forever be on the hearts, soul, mind, and lips of every disciple of Jesus from today and through eternity is because every one of them were delivered by God from the devil's captivity in their own spiritual darkness, which was their Egypt. The plain old truth, the God of this world will promise you anything and everything, wealth, riches, power, success to continue to keep you in slavery and blind your mind to the truth of God and the light of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Meditate on this. If the devil would tempt Jesus, with all due respect to everyone, then who are you that he would leave you alone? You want to add another truth to your spiritual spice bag which confirms God's word is true? 2 Timothy 3.16 is a phenomenal promise of God, and it is a truth, and you can count your eternity on it, and rest assured that it's totally reliable and relatable to this topic. All scriptures inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now listen to what God said through his disciple Matthew in Matthew 48 and 9. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Well, first of all, this was right before Jesus' ministry began, and Brother Matthew was not a disciple yet. Hmm. So, it had to be by the power and work of God the Holy Spirit that this truth in God's writings through Matthew, you know, all scriptures inspired by God, because if God the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches all his disciples, and Matthew was not called yet, how did he know what happened to Jesus in the wilderness when Jesus was having his one-on-one with the devil? So, when you believe that it's God speaking to you through his word, and not just Matthew or Paul or John or any other writer, known or unknown, then I pray you begin to place more emphasis on God's word and begin to live like you believe that is really God speaking to you versus seeing a Bible written by some men and thus failing to live by God's word and his commands. Go read Matthew 4.4 4 again. And Jesus makes it very clear. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know God breathes. That's your 2 Timothy 3.16. See how it really lines up? It's not them. It's God. Well, what is the devil in control of if he says to Jesus all these things I will give to you? So the truth? The devil is in control of the things of the world. Yes or no? That's what he promised Jesus. Then what's included in the things of the world? Well, the things for sure. But the things included his people. Now can you see why there's so much evil in the world? Do you understand why God chooses his disciples out of the world? What a blessing. Go read John 17. And God proves this fact as his work completed in his disciples. Do you believe God the Father delivers his disciples from the domain of darkness, which is Satan's power and control, into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus? If not, go read Colossians 1. Secondly, if the devil promised Jesus all the kingdoms in their glory, what do tell? do you think is included in their glory? Are you beginning to see and recognize the strength and disaster of the undercurrent that's attempting to pull you away with lies and deceit from the rock for which you must stand as a disciple of Jesus and experience victory in this spiritual warfare? Jesus is the way to eternal life, which is in the presence of the only true God. Listen to Psalm 7711. It says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I remember your wonders of old. Now, I would tell you, most would say, oh, yes, that would be the deliverance from Egypt and the the Israelites and blah, 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 blah. Yes, that is true. No question. But when God says, remember the deeds of the Lord, surely I will remember your wonders of old. God desires for you to remember. You must maintain a proactive and purposeful practice of remembering. Not the scripture, you, which creates a state of mind to recall, reminisce, summon up, and keep in mind all of God's work carried out in and through your life and the lives of those around you. Being delivered by God from the absolute control of your sin nature and the continuous living out of the devilish deeds is a wonderful freedom only found in Jesus. You truly gain the ability to experience victory over your flesh and sin by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. God's work of salvation in humanity is extraordinary. It will always be continually on my heart and mind because my life before salvation was demonic. I was blind, spiritually dead. I had no indications of true light of Jesus in my existence. I was darkness. And being spiritually dead, I could only really exist in a physical realm. And my flesh and heart of stone was in control of everything I did. But God made me alive. Alive to remember To remember what it was like when I walked in Egypt. To remember the broken relationships, the tears, the the, the problems, and all the things that were not good. And that God kept me alive and delivered me from the snare of the trapper. Can any one of you listening today say amen to that statement? Then proclaim it and keep it in the forefront of your mind. Dwell on that deliverance. Remember when you were lonely? And God brought forth. Remember when you were without gainful employment. And God brought forth. Remember the sickness, the failures, the heartbrokenness, the relationships. Remember it all. And you too will say, but God. But God healed. But God restored. But God mended. But God brought forth. But God returned. So to remember is to dwell. God's word should be an inspiring read for all of his disciples. God has made his word eternal as they are eternal. God has faithfully worked in and through his people throughout the annals of time. Why would he stop now? And in doing so, It should cause you to dwell on God's every truth, blessing, work, thousands of promises of God's help, guidance, faithfulness, salvation, wisdom, peace, joy, love, adoption, strength, and power, his infinite provisions eternal life, deliverance from the enemy, danger, temptation, and sin. You could spend hours, days, months, and years just dwelling on God and his work in and through humanity and in and through your own life. Amen? I mean, you're going to tell me that all the things going back to all of the circumstances in your entire life, unless you're three, but the reality is even if you were three, you would know in your soul that it was God. Or you can dwell on yourself, your own needs, wants, and desires, pleasing me, what you don't have or what someone else has. You can dwell on the world and all it has to offer and spend your life chasing after it, only to find in the end, it's all vanity. And when you chase and live in by the world, expect the world to love you in return as it bombards your heart and mind with visual, audible and intellectual stimuli and inducements, all perpetrated by the devil. It's only when your life is centered on God does the enemy attempt to interrupt your single mindedness. So you're either a friend or a foe of the enemy. See, there's NGA there, too. Attempting to redirect your biblical view onto your wealth is wealth. Excuse me, riches, failures, disappointments, and the sin that so easily entangles. It's all designed to lead you away from God into the continual practice of sin, and believe me, it doesn't have to be like major stuff, whatever that may be. Cause there's a line, sin and no sin, a line. Versus closer to God in the practice of righteous living. God has warned, the devil is your adversary, and one of his principal components in his arsenal is your own sinful flesh. They work in unison, feverishly, through the devious schemes and plots attempting to set traps for you, to distract you, preoccupy you, get you troubled, sidetracked, unsettled, anxious, and unfocused. How is that working today? And how many disciples do you know that have footprints of the enemy all around their camp? And when you are infiltrated and finally seized by the enemy, you'll find yourself back in Egypt. And those same old vices, which is the sin lived out, that caused you so much despair, discomfort, misery, pain, unhappiness, anger, and discontentment, is at every entrance and at every tent in your camp. Please understand, they're all designed to move you away from the source of life, which is God, that delivered you out of Egypt, your spiritual darkness, in the first place. So how do you defend your spirituality so you can dwell somewhere safe, continuously? What should you do as a disciple of Jesus when you need to guard your heart and mind? His phenomenal truth is found in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You'll either dwell on the good of God in the spirit or you'll dwell on sin in the flesh. NGA. You want to know something true? Here's something true. You were born on this planet. You did not choose your parents, their parents, and so on. Nor did you choose your ethnicity, nor the color of your skin, nor your height, nor your body type. You did not choose where you were born, nor the place, nor when. And when your last day arrives, you will not know when it will be, nor where you will be, nor if it will be in the day or the night. And you cannot choose where your physical body will remain. But the truth, when that day does come, and it will, your soul and spirit will end up in either God's presence or away from him. That is true. Now, since you didn't choose your own path like your parents, etc. Here's what God's word says that he knows. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So, even though you may not know in the physical, your soul knows who the creator and placer of you is. Believe that. And whether voluntary or involuntary, do you have any idea how many hairs you have on your head? A true statement. God has numbered them. Matthew 10.30 confirms the truth, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So, God is so intimately aware of your existence to know the exact number of hairs you possess, whether you got a full scalp or not. How much more does God actually know about you? And yet there are some who proclaim to be a quote-unquote Christian, yet know very little, if anything, about God. And some don't even make the effort to know him at all. What a shame. They don't realize they're being manipulated and distracted by the devil. And they're missing out on so much of what God can and will do in their lives. Why? When God completes his supernatural heart and spirit transplant, a phenomenal transformation begins within the disciple's life, and it begins immediately. You must dwell on this wonderful truth that happens when God completes his marvelous and unparalleled work of salvation in and through every disciple. This true work of God is located in the book of Ezekiel. chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Listen to 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Let's just stop and dwell on that for a moment. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The pure milk of the word, And viewing it with an NGA mindset? God must know we need one, so he gives us one. Because if not, then we keep what we got. Do you have a new heart? Or are you still callous, indifferent, stubborn, obstinate, headstrong, unruly, and disobedient to God? And if you were once described by those mentioned adjectives and now your life is totally transformed into a loving, forgiving, involved, warm hearted, concerned, flexible, compliant, submissive, orderly disciple that is living in obedience to God and his word. You, my fellow disciple, have been delivered from the domain of darkness. Can I get an amen for the deliverance from God's own wrath? So before God's salvation work in you, you possessed an old heart and an old spirit, NGA, old and new. And we're headed toward, directly, God's wrath. New heart must mean eternal life. So you got God's wrath or eternal life, NGA. Now the truth, God gave you a new heart. So a new heart because you needed a new one. The plain old truth, the one you possess could not and would not be adequate or equipped to perform the discipleship the way God desired for you to carry it out as his disciple. Because the truth, with your old heart, you will only do for yourself, me, myself, and I, is the way of life. One primary desire is to satisfy self and be recognized as you continually fall prey to the devil's schemes, desires of your own flesh and eyes. Whereas with the new heart and spirit provided by God, you will do your work as a disciple of Jesus for God done out of love, obedience, gratitude, and adoration for what God has has done, is doing, and will be doing in and through your life. You now believe and understand that God gives it to you because you don't just walk up in a grocery store and pick up a sack of potatoes and throw them in your cart as your salvation and the life that God promises and then head out the door and go on with your life. Listen to verse 27, 36, 27 of Ezekiel. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. Now listen, God says he will. That means you can. Plain and simple. And you can believe God is faithful to himself, so whatever God says he will do, he will do. And that, my fellow disciples, is everything in and through you. Now, why do tell? Do you think God would need to put his spirit in every disciple? The plain old truth He knows you're spiritually incapable of his work and the occupation of the Holy Spirit. See, without the only true God's spirit alive in you, you're spiritually dead. There's another NGA, spiritually alive, spiritually dead. And why would God cause you? Because. You, as a disciple of Jesus, need a source for spiritual direction. I mean, after all, when you are dead in your trespasses and sin, walking darkness, and under the power and rule of the devil, you're spiritually directionless. And therefore, you're tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and defeatful scheming, as God says in Ephesians 4.14. Now, God is the source creating a biblical view, surrounding you with other disciples of Jesus in community, you're reading God's word, studying, meditating on it, versus depending on your experiences, environment, or the very influential orator. You now look to God for wisdom, understanding, and discernment. I'll send you this one in a bubble. Psalm 118, verse 8. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So, as Philippians 4, eight becomes an even more powerful truth in your journey as a disciple, because instead of dwelling on sin, you begin to dwell on goodness. Instead of dwelling on the world, you dwell on God. Instead of dwelling on your bondage and captivity in Egypt, your old self, you praise God for his work of salvation in you and in the new self. And when you live by God's word, God gives you numerous opportunities to testify of his salvation work. And you become a useful vessel to live out this good news, the gospel. And Philippians 4.8 comes alive in you. Now, you want to dwell on an amazing truth and make Philippians 4.8 come alive? Dwell on this. God gives his spirit to his disciples. The pure milk of the word. You will never be in God's presence without God the Holy Spirit's occupation. And the Spirit's occupation, that would be both the presence and the work. God empowers you as you gain new capabilities you never possessed before. Please understand this truth of God. This one is one of life's dwelling verses. Life dwelling verse. It's a wonderful promise. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You can get into all the other stuff, but this is the truth. God says is. And what God is saying, you are. You exist as. You will remain as a new creature. You're never going to get old being a creature in Christ. I have always And understood that to be one of the most powerful promises of God. That the old thing that you used to take so much pride in, DL, that let you down so much, DL, is dead. It passed away behind you. No longer focus on it as it's lost its power and control over you. You're free. God is saying to you today, look to me. Dwell on the life I provided you. Dwell on the truth that's in me. Dwell on your freedom that's found in Jesus. Dwell on the work that I've ordained for you. Dwell on the souls that I move into your life or yours into theirs. Dwell on my words. Dwell on my commands. Dwell on my love for you. Now you want to... Know what's worthy of praise? Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Praise God for your new heart. Praise Him for your new spirit. Praise Him for His word that helps renew your mind and prove the will of God. Praise Him for the work teaching leading and prompting of his spirit praise him for your deliverance from the domain of darkness praise him for your faithfulness praise him for his faithfulness praise him for his love his grace his goodness his kindness his salvation his mercy praise him for his provision praise him for the high priest that can sympathize with your weaknesses praise him for your trials because they prove and produce a result Praise him for your ability to live and walk by his spirit. Praise him for his blessings. Praise him for answered prayer. Praise him for strength. Praise him for power. Praise him for his discipline. Praise him that sin has lost its power over you. Praise God. Praise him for your life. Praise him for your spouse and children. Praise him for where you live. Praise him for where you work. Praise Him for providing a community around you. Praise Him for the faithful disciples of men and women that walk with you in your life when you're struggling and going through weakness. Praise Him for His initial disciples and all the disciples that followed in their footsteps as they followed Jesus. Praise Him for His fruits. Praise Him that you are no longer a devil's slave. Praise Him for ears to hear and praise Him for eyes to see. Praise him for eternal life. Now, you have a choice. You can dwell in the flesh and practice of sin that ends in eternal separation from God. Or, you can dwell in the spirit and live a life pleasing to God as you spend eternity in God's presence. N-G-A. Where will you dwell after today? As we head back up, take this with you. What you dwell on really does matter and does impact your life and the lives of others, be it good or bad, good or evil, truth or lies. Believe that. You'll either dwell on God, his word, will, commands, truths, and works, or you won't. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Dwell on God's faithfulness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dwell on Jesus' sacrifice to bring forth forgiveness from God. And now God has forgiven you, so you now can forgive others, and Ephesians 4.32 comes alive in you. John 8 36 says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Dwell on your spiritual freedom because you once were a slave to your flesh and the devil. Now God the Father has delivered you, and in Jesus you are free. And when you are free from sin's bondage and captivity of the devil, you, my fellow disciple, are free indeed. Second Corinthians five seventeen is true. Dwell on being a new creature in Jesus. You can now walk by the Spirit, and God's Spirit lives and works in and through you. And the truth of Colossians 1 is now alive in you as you walk on this planet, bringing the good news everywhere you travel. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And be glad in it. I am truly humbled and I'm only compelled just to ask for your forgiveness of my evil thoughts, my evil words, and my evil deeds. You have said that the devil is the God of this world and even though he tried to tempt you, you remained faithful by the power of your spirit and the truth of your word written on our hearts, we too can live a life of faithfulness as your disciples. Empower us to be faithful to your truth, your word, your life. Thank you for your spirit and life residing in us. You know that there are those listening today that need the reminder and encouragement to dwell on your life, your love, your truth, your word. Empower them today to look to you as their source of life, and not the world, because the world is passing away. You promise to give a new life and spirit, and put your spirit within them. I pray today and ask that you bring forth this wonderful truth and life change into someone today. As they look to you as the only way to break the chains of bondage and captivity of the flesh and sin's power and control over their life, I ask that you incline your ear to hear their cry for help. Have compassion on them, O loving God. Bring forth this new life that can only be found in you. Envelop them with your everlasting love. Empower them to remember their days of bondage so they too can proclaim your deliverance from spiritual darkness and death into the marvelous light and the love of your Son. Teach them what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely. Reveal to them the excellencies of your work of your hand and the Spirit by granting them your salvation. So they too become the next disciples spreading the good news of Jesus wherever your Spirit leads them. Thank you for today. Thank you for your new heart, new spirit, and new life. Thank you for your faithfulness, grace, mercy, and love. Thank you for your Spirit's work in and through my life. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with D.L. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great week of worship and keep walking the way.